explosive debate, breaking news, and uncensored views. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day, another great week, in fact, in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great week because this is finally, after all the waiting and all the anticipation, this is the week of the great debate. Uh, it is the first one. The second one has already been designated. The first one is this Wednesday night. It's August 23rd. The second debate comes September 27th. Donald Trump says, nah, to all of them. Uh, do you think that Trump should debate? And, uh, or do you think that uh, Trump is making the right decision to shun the debates? 1-800-955-1776. Uh, if he uh, does not come to the debates, and it's almost certain that he won't at this point, He's been begged by the Republican National Committee. He's been begged by Brett Baer and Martha McCallum and all of the personnel at Fox who want him to be there. And obviously, the Republicans want him to be there because there'll be higher ratings if he's there. The uh, supposed conversation that he indulged with, with, uh, uh, with uh, Tucker Carlson, that's already in the can. He's already done that conversation. Uh, Tucker Carlson, meanwhile, is humiliating himself with a, a pro-Putin comments together with the president of Serbia, Tucker Carlson pursuing his own foreign policy. Is that uh, something that is going to help uh, President Trump? Is it a done deal that uh, Donald J. Trump is going to entirely and uh, overwhelmingly win, not just in Iowa and then in New Hampshire, but uh, sweep aside any Republican opposition. Uh, there are a lot of people who believe so. And in fact, uh, Maggie Haberman, who has been one of the most critical anti-Trump voices in the media, she's covered the White House for the New York Times. Uh, she has a fascinating column she did together with Jonathan Swan talking about how much uh, President Biden has been helping uh, Donald Trump win the nomination. Why is that? It's because, she argues, Biden is so weak, uh, Biden is such a poor candidate, that even though the polling shows it being quite a close race between Biden and Trump, it's it's so obvious that he is cognitively impaired, that he is getting older, that he's too old for the job, and that all of that gives Republicans who support Trump a very great sense of confidence. They don't have to worry about electability. Electability is no more a... Uh, a factor for, for Donald J. Trump because he's going to be running as Joe Biden. Uh, there's a couple of problems with that. One is that uh, underestimating your opponent is always a bad idea. Number two is that you're taking as a given a sure thing, I mean absolutely sure thing, that nothing happens, that there is no health issue, that there is no... New Hampshire primary shock, which there might be, especially since Biden has said he's not going to be on the ballot in New Hampshire. 
Lyndon Johnson made that same mistake. Eugene McCarthy got 43% of the New Hampshire primary vote, and boom, uh, the Johnson campaign fell apart. Uh, it was literally five days after the New Hampshire primary that Robert Kennedy Sr. jumped into the race. In any event, the idea that uh, the Republicans are going to be dealing with an easy candidate by the way, I, I think they, the Democrats make the same mistake. They all seem to be pushing for Republicans to nominate Donald Trump. Why? Because they assume he will be easy to beat. I, I think that given how close American elections have been recently, how it all does seem to come down to the same 10 states, and there are only 10 of the 50 states where there's been any variation at all. Otherwise, there are states like the one that I live in, Washington State, that is just a Democratic state. Forget it. That's the way it goes. It goes all the way back. The last uh, a Republican to win in the state of Washington was George H.W. Bush. May actually, you know what? I don't think I think he lost. He lost the state of Washington. The last re re Republican to win the state of Washington was Ronald Reagan in 1984. It's a long time ago, as before some of the people who are listening to us were even born. 1-800-955-1776 is our phone number. The, um, the question about the uh, debates is also how are they going to handle all, all of the questions about President Trump? And how are they going to uh, do what the Republicans want to do, which is to focus on issues, to focus on Biden's failures with the economy, Biden's challenges with foreign policy, his challenges with uh, dealing with, uh, for instance, the uh, future of Social Security and Medicare and entitlements and budgetary issues and the increasing likelihood we're going to have another government shutdown. It, it, the Republicans will do well, and some of these candidates may even gain momentum of the people who are up there for the debate on Wednesday night if they talk positively. How do they possibly gain if it becomes a question about Donald Trump's indictments? And the problem with that is that the majority of Republicans still have enough sympathy for President Trump that they think he did nothing wrong and they believe him and they believe the indictments against him were just a political scam and a tool and hack work and part of a witch hunt by uh, evil Democrats. Uh, but there, there is this and it's incredible because they have... Uh, uh, a headline uh, under the Associated Press, Donald Trump's action, actions have divided Americans along party lines, APNORC poll says, National Opinion Research Center, University of Chicago. Well, of course they divided along party lines. What they point out is the poll from the Associated Press, NORC, Center for Public Affairs Research, which is conducted before Monday's charges in the Georgia case, also shows that about half of Americans, 53%, approve of the Justice Department in indicting Trump over his efforts to remain in office after losing the 2020 election. 
The poll finds that 85% of Democrats approve of the criminal charges brought August 2nd by Jack Smith, compared with 47% of uh, independents who approve and 16% of Republicans. 16% of Republicans approve of Jack Smith's charges. Now that's uh, worth noting. If uh, Trump loses 16% of Republicans, then he has a tough time winning. And there's also this. Overall, 35% of Americans have a favorable view of Trump, 62% unfavorable. So it's almost two to one unfavorable over favorable in terms of the views of Trump. That's among all Americans, not just Republicans. Among Republicans, 7 in 10 view the former president favorably, and about 6 in 10 say they want him to make another run for the White House. But if it's only 7 in 10 who view him favorably, and if you assume that of that 30% who don't view him favorably, most would vote against him, then it shows you some of the difficulty that he has. Andrew McCarthy has um, made a comment about Trump's prospects, which it seems to me is very important in framing the debate. It's not about his legal prospects, where uh, who knows when and what's going to be going on with the trials. It's about his political prospects. Uh, what does Andy McCarthy say? We'll get to him. We'll also get to something that John Stossel says, which is college has become a complete ripoff. Is he right? We'll be talking to John Stossel coming up. And on the Michael Medved show, there is a uh, new uh, debate going on about a comment by um, Ron DeSantis. And yes, Ron DeSantis has had a tough time. And and yes, he appears to have lost momentum, if anything. But this, it seems to me, there's an attack going on about uh, DeSantis that seems to me very unfair when you actually listen to what DeSantis said. Uh, people are comparing it to Hillary's remark uh, that characterized... And she didn't characterize all of Trump supporters as a basket of deplorables. She said that he is supported by a basket of deplorables. And then she added, and many other people. But uh, what anybody remembered was that she called Trump voters a basket of deplorables and basically reinforced what has been one of the strongest uh, appeals of Donald Trump's candidacy, it was in 2016 and in 2020, and it is today, which is the idea that people in the elites, people like Ron DeSantis, who, uh, who went to Yale and Harvard, and people like Hillary Clinton, who went to Wellesley and Yale Law School, uh, the people like that and the elites look down on ordinary Trump voters, good, hardworking, patriotic, decent, religious Americans. Remember Barack Obama's comment, infamous comment. He says they cling to their guns and their God. And the idea that Barack Obama looked down on ordinary Americans also uh, cut against him, but not enough to prevent him from being elected tw president twice. In any event, 
here is um, the comment that uh, Ron DeSantis made to a hometown newspaper. It's the Florida Standard. Uh, and uh, listen to what he actually said and then the way that uh, the Team Trump responded. Uh, this is a Governor DeSantis, clip three. We have a strand in our, in our party that views supporting Trump as whether you are um, a, a rhino or not. And so you could be the most conservative person since sliced bread unless you're kissing his rear end they will somehow call you a rhino. So it's been totally detached from principle and what you actually believe and results. And it's more about, you know, just what faction you happen to do. So there'll be people uh, who are huge Trump supporters, like in Congress, who have like incredibly liberal left wing records that that's really just atrocious. And yet they're viewed as by, by some of these folks as like as like really, really good. Then you have other people, you know, like a Congressman Chip Roy, who's endorsed me. Congressman Thomas Massey. These guys have records of principle fighting the swamp that are second to none, and yet they will be attacked by some of these people and, and called rhinos. Uh, so it's just been totally detached from any type of substance. And ultimately, a movement can't be about the personality of one individual. The movement has got to be about what are you trying to achieve on behalf of the American people? And that's got to be based in principle. Uh, because if you're not rooted in principle, uh, if all we are is listless vessels that's just supposed to follow, you know, whatever happens to come down the pike on Truth Social every morning, th that's not going to be a durable movement. Okay. Do I think that listless vessel is a good term to use? No. I mean, <laughs> a vessel isn't particularly listless. I mean, a vessel usually is a... Uh, not alive. I mean, it, it's a stationary um, mechanism. And uh, a listless vessel is weird. However, he is not saying that all people who are supporting Trump are only listless rest vessels. But uh, Trump's campaign pushed back against DeSantis's remark, uh, this from The Hill, comparing it to a comment made by Clinton in 2016 in which she divided Trump supporters into two categories, one of which she said was a basket of deplorables. DeSantis is now running the same failed playbook as Hillary Clinton, Trump campaign spokesperson Stephen Chung said in a statement uh, shared with The Hill. He called all Trump supporters listless vessels. No, he didn't. Just like Hillary, uh, like just like crooked, pardon, is what he said, did in 2016 when she called us deplorables. How did that work out? He should stop listening to his establishment handlers and start listening to the American people telling him to go back home. Uh, Jason Miller, a longtime advisor to Trump, echoed this sentiment, writing in a post on X, the platform formerly known as Twitter, Looks like Ron DeSanctimonious just had his basket of deplorables moment. Not good. Ha, 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 ha. To Hillary Clinton, Trump supporters are deplorables. To Ron DeSantis, they are listless vessels. The truth is, Trump supporters are patriots, said Carolyn Levitt, spokeswoman for the Trump-aligned pack, Make America Great Again, uh, she wrote in a, uh, a statement. The... Uh, uh, while speaking to the Florida Standard, and they quote uh, DeSantis again on this, 
DeSantis pointed to the difference between his and Trump supporters and said, so there will be people who are huge Trump supporters, like in Congress, who have incredibly left-wing records that are really atrocious without specifying who he meant. And then he went on and then he said, then you have other people, you know, like a Congressman Chip Roy, who has endorsed me, Congressman Thomas Massey. These guys have records of principle fighting the swamp that are second to none, and yet they will be attacked by some of these people and called rhinos. And ultimately, a movement can't be about the personality of one individual. Okay, is that really such an unfair statement? And then there is this. There is the um, uh, a new poll that says that 73% of people who are planning to vote for Trump think he should come to the debate, that he should be there. And then there is this, this other poll that's extraordinary about who do you trust? Remember they used to have that TV show, uh, Who Do You Trust? Or To Tell the Truth was actually a TV show. Uh, headline, and this from Axios, and this according to a brand new CBS News YouGov poll that shows Trump way, 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 way ahead uh, winning the Republican primary. But it also uh, shows that um, uh, among those who plan to vote for Trump, 71% feel that what he tells them is true, which means they trust Trump more than they do friends or family. They Only 63% trust friends and family. 56% uh, trust conservative media figures, but 71% trust Trump. And 42% trust religious leaders, and 71% trust Trump. Uh, the percentage of those who consider Trump a source of truth drops to 53% among all likely GOP primary voters in a sign that some remain skeptical of his claims. There is one claim by John Stossel, a well-known libertarian commentator, who is reporting on a new book and says it's important that people be warned about the scholage scam. John Stossel coming right up. Michael Medved show. It's a pleasure to uh, welcome back to our show uh, John Stossel, who is an American libertarian television presenter, uh, author, consumer journalist, political activist, and pundit. Uh, he has a new piece that appeared in the New York Post. Uh, it goes along with a uh, a video which is very well done and very entertaining. Uh, why college has become a total ripoff. And I know you've been on this issue for a long time, uh, John, for more than a decade, for more than a decade. But you're in part inspired by a new book, uh, The Case Against Education by Byron Kaplan. Is that right? Uh, partly. The producer read it. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it makes good, good arguments. What I thought was I think was it, fascinating just about see the, the numbers, how silly it is that tuition going up at four times the rate of inflation. I mean, how can that persist? 
Well, because people keep uh, uh, competing for the opportunity to pay that tuition, right? And also well, they have promises. I beg is pardon? government people? Our government is subsidizing it. Uh, yeah, to a great extent. And, of course, it's more subsidizing it with promises that uh, the tuition uh, payments are going to be forgiven or postponed uh, or taken care of by Joe Biden as a uh, an electoral ploy. Uh, what is it that people get wrong about the value of college? What do they get wrong most significantly? Most significantly that you need to go when there are so many jobs that are now available to people who don't have college degrees. And the assumption, and it's repeated in by Ben Vildovsky in today's Wall Street Journal, that it really pays if you get the college education. But what that leaves out is that the kind of people who go to college would be making more anyway. Those are the higher achievers, people more likely to have two interested parents. And in terms of the inflation, there's just almost no way the increased costs were you to pay for it yourself uh, would be worth it. And uh, you're talking about in, in terms of your potential career. And then, of course, people jump in. They say, well, what about all those priceless experiences? And uh, here, here I can concede that you and Byron Kaplan uh, you both went to Princeton, right? Uh, I did. I didn't know that he did. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. And uh, but again, uh, do you think that uh, people who answer the objections to college by saying, "Well, it's such a humanizing, such a deepening experience," you can't really feel? an appreciation for our broader culture without a college education? Is there anything to that argument? Well, yes, certainly if you happen to have good friends in college, uh, but you can have it elsewhere. You could have it in the military. You could have it at work. You could have it in your sports club. You know, experiences with other humans is very important. But the people teaching in colleges are academics. Many of them are just teaching obscure stuff, which is of interest to very few of the students. And look, if you like that and you want to be a college professor someday, then college is for you. But that's maybe 10% of the student body. And uh, in in terms of what college uh, colleges and universities are spending money on right now, uh, I know that y you talk a little bit about uh, trying to attract people with recreational facilities and with uh, uh, various perks that have very little to do uh, with any substantive education, uh, such as? Such as fancy gyms and, in the case cited by the Wall Street Journal, uh, an auditorium where the kids can play video games. And since the government's paying most of it, you know, why not? We want to attract the students, and the students want to play video games. But the taxpayer shouldn't pay for it, and in the rare cases where the student does, they, sh 
their parents probably wouldn't want them to pay for it. Well, there's a Bill Maher, your colleague, who, by the way, is a graduate of Dartmouth College, let it be noted. He said college is blanking bull blank, uh, most of it. We need far less colleges, and most people need far less college to do the job they're doing. It's a scam college. It's a huge scam. They sell you this ticket because without this ticket, this diploma that says you went to college, some four-year daycare center... You can't get the kind of jobs that pay well. And what you're arguing is that you can and that there are people who succeed admirably without that college credential. Plus, increasingly, and I cite specifics in the article, companies are saying, okay, we take it back. We're going to take college degree required out of the application form. And about 10 states have done that, too. People are wising up. And uh, what's the answer for the country in terms of national policy? We're in the midst of an election. Uh, should uh, our federal government pay less to subsidize collegiate education? Why does it pay anything at all? If you borrowed the money from a bank, the bank would say, okay, yeah, we, we think you're a good investment. What are you going to study? How are you going to pay it back? They would guide the students. The federal government just vomits it up, and the kids major <laughs> in dance and uh, ethnic studies and gender studies. Likely, say again. Gender studies. Gender studies that that are just unlikely to lead to paying jobs. And of course, from our point of view, they get brainwashed by the lefties who have taken over the professorships at most colleges, unless you're in engineering or math. And uh, as you point out, uh, it's a pretty, if you have a, um, a tenured college position, it's a pretty sweet ride. Once you're tenured, you really don't have to work very hard, and you can't be fired. Maybe you teach a couple of classes. It's a scam. A taxpayer-funded scam. Uh, uh, do, do you... Um, uh, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, you'll pardon me for asking. Your kids uh, go to college? They did. Um, my daughter got brainwashed by leftists at Wesleyan. <laughs> and my son played soccer at Haverford and... Uh, I don't know that he ever learned much. He played video games and soccer and did okay. But it was just an expensive way to get a credential. And in my yes, world, and the, the... <laughs> most of those kids have degrees or at least went to college. I mean, today, half the people who get loans don't even graduate in six years. No, six years. Or, or and a lot of them never uh, and and yet we're still su subsidizing those loans, and uh, President Biden still wanted to forgive them. Uh, uh, you can uh, read the piece by John Stossel about the college scam. It's uh, extremely provocative and, as always, very well and written with uh, a rich background to it. It's at michaelmedved.com. Uh, John, I appreciate your taking the time for us. 
and uh, continued good luck. Uh, we will be right back with more on the upcoming debates on the Medvan Show. 1-800-955-1776. The Michael Medved Show. And speaking of your daily dose of debate, we have our weekly dose of debate uh, with the debate among Republican presidential contenders. And uh, apparently there are a couple who have been just on the edge of qualification. And it's not clear yet whether Francis Suarez, who is the mayor of Miami, is going to have qualified enough uh, by receiving uh, a, a certain number of uh, donations from 20 different states. Uh, it's part of the uh, qualification process. Uh, the Governor Burgum of uh, North Dakota is going to be there. He has qualified. Uh, Larry Elder doesn't look like he has, which is too bad because, of course, Larry would be very formidable in a debate uh, like this one. But what's fascinating to me is thinking about the previous debates that people must be remembering very vividly. If you watched the uh, debate between um, Donald Trump and Joe Biden last time, the first debate. Uh, the second debate didn't happen because Trump didn't participate. Partially he was sick. He had, he had uh, COVID. Uh, but also he, he didn't want to go. He didn't agree to doing it uh, by Zoom. And he didn't want to get other people infected with COVID, as had happened with Chris Christie, because Chris Christie was helping Trump prepare for the debates. In any event, during 2020 uh, and the election cycle, uh, Trump was extremely insistent that his rival participate in the debates. Listen. He's too cowardly to even show up and debate. I hear he's afraid to debate. Is that true? I hear he's afraid to debate. Now I understand he's canceling the debates. Let's see what happens. I think that's not going to be a good move. You want debate? So do I. I want debate. So. They're playing very cute. They're trying to get out. There's no question about that. And I'll do any amount that they want. It doesn't make any difference to me. We have a sleepy guy in a basement of a house. Who doesn't want to do debates? I don't think he wants to debate at all. I've seen that uh, he wants to try and blame COVID for that, too. He's not getting out of his basement. He's got a, you know, basement deal going. Okay, that was President Trump during the 2020 election cycle on debates. So, again, he's very direct about why he is not participating in these debates. He assumes it can only harm him. Uh, Chris Christie has another idea about why Trump has now said, he said not only is he not going to go to the debate on Wednesday night, he's going to skip them all. He is not going to participate in any debates against his fellow Republicans. Uh, does that mean that he would also avoid a debate with Joe Biden? Uh, no, of course not. I, I mean, I think that uh, given 
the attacks on Joe Biden because of his age and a feeble status, which is not being illustrated uh, today and tomorrow because he's flying to Maui, finally, uh, but uh, leaving at like five in the morning, getting back at three the next morning. It's it's uh, a grueling uh, kind of schedule. But uh, uh, Chris Christie believes that the reason that Trump is skipping the debates this time is not just because he is so far ahead and he has everything to lose and nothing really to gain. He thinks it's deeper and more personal. Uh, this is uh, Governor Christie, clip five. There's no other conclusion to come to that he's both afraid of me and he's afraid of defending his record. And if I had his record, I'd be nervous about showing up too. And let's face it, guys, by Wednesday, he's going to be out on bail in four different jurisdictions. That really, when are we going to stop thinking that's normal? When are we going to allow our country to understand again that nominating someone who's out on bail in four jurisdictions is not a winning formula? Uh, okay. Uh, and again, the idea that he is not going to be there, but he will still be talked about. Uh, there are some reports, apparently they haven't made up uh, their minds finally, that they would, Fox News would take uh, some uh, clips of Trump and use them to get the other candidates who are live on stage to respond to. But that, it seems to me, is unfair. It's unfair to the people who do show up. And wouldn't uh, having Trump actually continue to dominate the uh, debates, even while he is not there, uh, wouldn't that be giving Trump e exactly what he wants? Uh, it's it's a problematic matter, and uh, it's also deeply problematic, and it's something that I think that the Republican National Committee, I know, has been very worried about, which is the idea that uh, uh, the entire debates, first debates, will all be about the four different indictments that Trump has received and that he has to deal with and uh, the problem that he has, many problems about uh, dealing with trials at the same time that he's going through the real trial of running for president. Now, all of that would be uh, changed in emphasis if they do play clips of Trump to sort of throw in uh, some of the appeal that they're afraid that they're going to be losing in terms of people who tune in on Twitter, and on X, pardon me, to Trump's conversation uh, with Tucker Carlson rather than the debate. But there is one proposition from a former attorney general of the United States, which is um, about Trump's legal problems. Uh, Alberto Gonzalez, remember him? He was a Supreme Court judge in Texas. He was an attorney general for President uh, George W. Bush. He said this about the possibility of a Trump conviction. Uh, clip four. You're right. We're getting way ahead of ourselves. Uh, 
I, I'm not, I haven't really thought about it. Um, I, I, I think he should, if in fact he's convicted of the crimes uh, charged by uh, Jack Smith and the Department of Justice, yeah, I, I think he should serve time, quite frankly. Look, there are people that on January 6th went to the Capitol, uh, maybe not at the clear direction uh, of President Trump, but certainly uh, he did nothing to stop what happened that day. They're serving time. Mm. And so if, in fact, the, uh, the crimes, the, uh, if, in fact, Jack Smith is successful in prosecuting Donald Trump for the crimes uh, that he's charged, I, I think it would be fair that he, that he go to prison. But we're a long way from there. Uh, well, we are a long way from there. And uh, the, the most likely outcome, when you actually read some of the detailed analysis of how each of these uh, indictments are working against President Trump. When you take a, a look at that, it's um, very likely that uh, he will only come to trial after the presidential elections. And what would that mean if he is in fact elected? Now, it's true he could pardon himself for the two indictments that have been brought by Jack Smith, but he has no pardon power uh, for the indictments in Georgia, the ones that were brought by Fawny Willis. He has no uh, uh, pardon power for the indictments that were brought to him in New York City by Alvin Bragg. So it's a heck of a way to begin the presidency. Meanwhile, the big picture, the uh, most recent uh, polling for President uh, Trump, uh, the uh, Axios is reporting that voters are more likely to believe the former president is telling them the truth than their friends, family, or religious leaders. That according to CBS uh, News YouGov poll. But the big picture shows that Trump continues to dominate the race for the 2024 nomination with 62% of likely GOP primary voters supporting him while only 16% say they would vote for Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. By the way, one of the possibilities uh, from these debates Wednesday night would be to replace the idea that DeSantis is the only viable candidate who could actually challenge Trump. Not that he is that viable right now. We will get to that and more in this greatest nation on God's green earth. 